Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They yeah. had been, they had been yeah. around the block a time or two. What's the first deal they built, I bet? No, no, you know, you could, I think they were, they had, the, the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap, cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the season finale, the holiday special <laughs> edition of Out of the Groove Power Hour presented by Circle B Diecast. I am your host, Eric Estep. Joined, as always, by the our other host, uh, Brennan Poole. Brennan, great to see you. Enjoying the off-season so far? Yeah, it's been fantastic, man. Um, I've, uh, I mean, you know, I wish we were still racing. I wish it never stopped. But it has been nice to have a little bit of a break. I'm, I'm enjoying the break. And it's cold outside, man. And the Ooh. leaves are falling. It's nice. Beautiful, beautiful. Playing a little Fortnite. I saw you talking uh, before we got on. Yeah, here. I just, well, I just, I have played a little bit of Fortnite. I don't get time to play that many games, but they have gone back to the old school map, Fortnite. So I've been playing a little bit. And Lewis Hamilton's going to be in the game, man. I'm like, we need some NASCAR. I want to be in Fortnite. I play, I play it. I want to be in there. So I don't that, know. Maybe they did that uh, ally crossover with Alex Bowman on track mm -hmm. at one race this year why you know we get, we get alex bowman in yeah Fortnite. <laughs> come on let's go i want some nascar drivers in there that would be cool what? play plays that i just play as spider-man to be honest that's pretty cool that honestly that's that's not bad <laughs> what nascar driver do you think would win a real world battle royale oh man a real world battle oh man There's... like 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 austin hill's a big dude i've seen him throw some haymakers but then i'm thinking about someone who's yeah. a little quicker a little shiftier like a you know? like kevin harvick wrestler he's a little he's mean uh, yeah, yeah. he might Harvick's be able to do it he's a little fighter he's fought he's, Mc, he's mcdowell daniel suarez man we saw him take mcdowell down remember that yeah they've gotten it into <laughs> it uh yeah, bubba <laughs> wallace and uh, kai i don't think kyle larson would do very well he kind of folds anytime there's physical altercation <laughs> 
question. He kind of just backs out of it as much as he can. He's, Maybe if uh, Bubba still got to use lightsabers um, mm. with his friends from Star Wars now, he might be a tough one to take down in the Ooh, Battle Royale. That's a great point, actually. <laughs> well, uh, before we get into uh, too far into the show, we have to thank our sponsor, Circle B uh, Diecast. Uh, we've got Diecast we're going to show off here in just a moment. Um, but I want to remind you guys that you can use code OOTG for discounted shipping on circlebdiecast.com. Again, that's code OOTG for a special discounted shipping ahead of the holiday season. I guess now we're in the thick of the holiday season, effectively, mm-hmm. Brennan. Brennan, what's a what's a diecast you wanted to show us off today? If, if oh. you're getting yours, I, I can go first if you want, because I'm okay. excited about this one. Uh, I recently uh, fell into this Kurt Busch uh, final win, I guess, race use scheme signed. It's the Jordan brand colors. Got the, uh, you know, modeled after the, the sneaker with the elephant print on the side. I think that's what the kids are calling it these days. Love the detail on this car. You can find this type of die cast and many others at uh, or on circlebdiecast.com. Brennan, what do you have today? You got something a little more retro? Yeah, I, I like the class. I like the old ones, man. Oh, and I, I have it. so many of them. This is uh, Jeff Gordon's iRock car. Oh. This thing is awesome. You know, everything opens up like the whole kit and caboodle, the whole the whole deal. It's it's dude, these cars are cool. I've got another one too. I've got a Steve Kinzer version. Nice. Um, I used to go, I've watched some of these IROC races in person. Really? Um, it's just cool to have this. Like, who I wonder how many people even collected these, but I, I have a bunch of them. I've got a Kenseth one in uh somewhere that someone actually gave to me a few years ago. It was really cool. I was blown away. But like IROC, when did IROC end? Oh six, oh seven. I, I remember watching a couple Somewhere races. in there, yeah. I remember watching a couple races on TV as a kid, but I, I didn't go to any and I, I kinda it, it sort of to me as like a faded memory. Been. I know. So you, you've got me beat there. Uh, that's pretty awesome. That's a great one. Uh, thank you again to Circle B Diecast for sponsoring the show. Brennan, we've got some racing stuff coming up. We also have a special guest joining us about midway through the episode. Uh, Jesse Love, the ARCA Menard Series champion this year, who's also moving up to the Xfinity Series with Richard Childress racing next year. Kind of a shocking bombshell move announced a few weeks back. Jesse will be joining us in a bit. Brennan, where the heck should we start? It's the off season, so there's like not much going on really. Uh, we are also recording this just before uh, Thanksgiving, so it might. I think this episode might be coming out just after Thanksgiving. So uh, mm-hmm. hopefully we don't miss anything these few days in between. But uh, the champions, I guess, have been crowned. Brennan, uh, do we want to start there? Do you have something else in sure. mind? Sure, sure. No, we can start there. My off season's been crazy already. I haven't even really had a time off. I had sponsors in Phoenix, of course. Yeah. Many people have seen my announcement already at this point. So planning the announcement, should... everything at the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's been that's nuts, where we should man. start. I don't know why I had that third in my notes. That should be top of the of the <laughs> list. Brennan, let's talk about that. <clears throat> I have some questions. First and foremost, congratulations on making your major announcement. You've got mm-hmm. a new seat for 2024. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm excited. Um going to Alpha Prime racing to drive the 44 for uh for Tommy Joe Martins, Chevrolet, Caesar Bagarella, everybody over there. Can I just say 44, yeah. uh one of my favorite numbers after <laughs> 17. So what I think is crazy is yeah. my favorite numbers are like 17 Six, I would argue, because I liked Mark Martin growing up. There's mm-hmm. some uh, baseball players I liked as a kid that wore number six. So you having the number six the last couple of years was awesome. But the 44, my favorite baseball player growing up was Roy Oswalt. He played on the Astros, was a pitcher. He wore 44. And uh, mm-hmm. so when I was like, when I played basketball as a kid, I always wore like, I tried to pick 44 whenever it was available. So I think it's awesome that you keep driving some of my favorite <laughs> numbers. It makes me, it's so easy to like wear your t-shirts and, and you know fly your banner. Sorry. Right, go on uh, talk about yeah well i was gonna say like you know 44 is tommy joe martin's number yeah. um that's his favorite number and and uh there was a lot of talk over what number that i might run i mean tommy was great and um and sort of letting me maybe choose whatever number i wanted to run you know uh, as a race car driver your number is like really feels like your identity but the more yeah. that we talked about it and you know my favorite number is 17 and i ran the five for for a long time won a bunch of races in, in the five because of the mock five big speed racer guy over here but um you know so uh, the more we talked about it i just it felt special um to run the 44 um and it being tommy tommy joe's number himself so um i think i'm i feel like it's an honor to be able to run that number so i'm excited about about that part of it but 
you know, just like everything in the team, you know, I, I've felt real wanted there from the beginning, from the very first conversation. Um, and that that part of it was important to me. It's tough to work somewhere where you're maybe not necessarily uh, as wanted as you could be. So for me, um, you know, I saw the potential there within the team. I saw the moves and everything that Tommy Joe has been making to improve that team. I, I feel like everything that they're doing is he's building and it's a process and they've only been around for Alpha Prime's really only been a team for three years. So um, I think they're headed in the right direction. I mean, they're really kind of like where a Jordan Anderson type team was, you know, a year or so ago. They're they're making those steps to build for the future. And so to be that guy that could could potentially help build the team to where they want to go and and obviously where I want to go, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, all kinds of other things matter, sponsorship money and things like that also all have to come into place and determine where where you where you're gonna end up. But this this um this opportunity seems to, to just be a really great fit for everybody. And um, so yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really excited about it. I think we're gonna be able to surprise a lot of people next year and have some some really awesome runs and and um shoot, man, you just never know what can happen. That's why that's why we race. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And of course, the 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 announcement at the Hall of Fame was nuts. Yeah, I want to ask I, about that. Did the photos one. the photos all looked great. Like it looked like a, a huge event. Like what was that like for you? Take us behind the scenes a little bit. What yeah. is a what is a NASCAR Hall of Fame you know team announcement look and sound like from the inside? It was this was by far the you know the best one I've had. I, I did one for Cup in 2020, um, and that was fun. And honestly, I like you know through everything I've been through over the last years, it's like you never. I, I don't didn't even think I'd do one again, right? And and uh, so being able to do it was was in itself was already very cool and exciting and it's fun. Um, but you know, they, they just NASCAR and the hall of fame do such a good job with those things that, um, they make it very easy and, and, uh, make it a lot of fun. And, and of course we had, you know, 40 or 50 people there, some media members, a stage where we got on there and talked. it's all on my Instagram. Uh, it's a real, the whole announcement. It's like eight minutes of of us talking about the the opportunity and then revealing the car so if you do want to check it out anyone listening they can go to go to my instagram brennan c pool uh and and you can you can uh you can listen to it and watch it but yeah i mean we have the screen room and we're hanging out and we're there like 30 minutes before and we're all jazz like it's the sponsors it's tommy joe mm -hmm. myself we're all hanging out in the screen room and <laughs> there was a school there so we were locked in this room so they're like don't leave this room you're not going to be able to get back in it, but we were all hanging out in there and we're, we're filming and, and, um, and just trying to, you know, take in the moment, you know, it's all a huge opportunity and a big day for, for everybody involved. And so we're chatting and we're talking about things and recording being silly. And, and then you kind of get to walk out of the green room and, and go onto the stage and there's like 40 or 50 people sitting there waiting You're for you, you know, at that point, yes. Yeah. yeah. Serious face, which we got some cool content around it. And then, and then of course my buddy Daryl Mott uh, hosted it, which was a lot of fun um, having him there for that. And, and then they just kind of, we went down the line and, and people say a lot of nice things. It was emotional for me too. <laughs> I was trying not to cry on the stage. It didn't turn Jeez, into like, a, like a comedy central roast or anything like that. I, I was, no, I it, didn't. it was, was hosting. I didn't know. Daryl can be a loose cannon. You never know. No, Daryl could have given you a hard time, but yeah. he didn't. I, I think you know, I feel like I've, I've, my career has been so crazy and we talk about it on here, you know, from being with the, from literally racing four times a year and feeling like, you know, this was it, <clears throat> I'm going to have to do something else to then racing in Xfinity for what is sort of a big team, not quite a big team, but one of the bigger teams and, um, doing that for, for a couple of years to losing it, to being in multi-million dollar lawsuits to, you know, racing two times a year part-time trucks, full-time cup and part-time trucks, losing a sponsor through COVID, getting in more lawsuits for, for doing nothing, had nothing to do with me, but I got dragged into it for some reason. And then, um, um, to, to then driving, uh, basically one time in 2021 broke my wrist to then driving from Mike Harmon, who gave me a shot back into the sport. Um, Johnny Davis grabbing me, uh, uh and putting me in the six car in turning it into what this last season was to now finding more partners and having another uh, opportunity to continue to move forward. It's just like 
dude, it's just crazy. So when you have other people, you know, on stage talking about those things and and talking about your your journey, um, and then you know believing in you and standing behind you and those types of things, it's emotional because there's been a lot of times where it's just like I felt like I didn't have you know anything i didn't know what was going to happen and so to hear those things man it's just like it means so much so it's it was really cool and i'm 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 just like really excited to just keep driving race cars right like i love to drive race cars i want to do it at a high level i want to win races but you know there's only 38 guys in the world that are going to race the xfinity race on a saturday yeah 38 guys in the whole world to be one of those guys already is incredibly, incredibly rare. And you just have to look at it that way and um, know you're living your dream and continue to fight. Like, yes, every driver, every competitor, every one of those 38 guys wants more and believes they deserve more, but you have to just keep fighting for it. So yeah, yeah, it was cool. And then we went out to Ink and Ivy and I had a, I had a ribeye and uh, hung out with some friends and, and, yeah, we, we had a we had a great time. Came back to my house. All the sponsors, everybody was staying with me. Uh, we had a we had a big Lindsay made uh, chicken cutlets and pesto pasta with a little arugula salad on it. It was just good. Smash. Wow. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was great. Well, you awesome. couldn't, couldn't beat it. That's awesome stuff. Now, I'm super excited for you. Uh, when you first told me kind of where you were thinking, where you were headed, I was excited. Uh, Tommy Joe Martin's good guy. The few times I've talked to him, he gets it. He is one of the I'd say this. He's one of the nicest honest people in the world like like he he's not gonna you know shy away he'll tell you what he thinks about something but he will go about it as as politely as gentlemanly as reasonably <laughs> as you can he's not one of those people who flies off the handle gets crazy and is um and and you know can have issues there tommy Martins is a great guy i think he, uh, that's an awesome team up and coming race team like you said car looks great uh opportunity i think is going to be fantastic looking forward to seeing what you guys can do next year brennan uh i know you yeah mentioned i think you me. can pre I- I think you can pre-order the car too on uh, at Circle B. So go pre-order my car from this year, everybody. Go check it out. It would mean a lot to me if you would if you would pick one up. So good call as well. I know. in talking to me about it, you'd mentioned that like even out behind the scenes, Alpha Prime had maybe making some personnel moves that you really were a fan of, bringing some new mm-hmm. people in. So I uh, reason to be optimistic for sure. That team is, yeah. is like you said, growing. I think they are uh, on a on a positive trajectory at the moment. So hopefully you're getting in at the right time and uh, can go do some awesome things next year. Uh, we haven't talked since the championship. I feel like we should at least <laughs> give our quick takes on. First, Ryan Blaney. How'd you feel about Ryan Blaney? Isn't it weird? Has it sunk in yet? It's been a couple weeks. Has it sunk in now that Ryan Blaney is a Cup Series champion? Have you have you ever raced with Ryan Blaney? I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess you've run, you've been, you know, you've done some Cup races and stuff, but I don't know how much have you really raced with Ryan. How well do you know him? I raced him in ARCA a little bit. I beat him at, at Michigan. He finished second to me, and I was in a Venturini car, so I'll take that one um, and then and just enjoy that one a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um, no, I mean, I think he was with the, his team hit on something. You know, I think the Fords were all at a disadvantage all year from what I know from having raced a Ford in the Cup Series from what I know. But but um, so that part of it's a little surprising. But I think, you know, they they he won the Coca-Cola 600. He won Talladega, Martinsville, put himself right in the position to do it. Like they definitely hit on something that was working for Ryan. And I, and I think, too, sometimes in those moments, um, a driver can go to another level that they may not have knew was there right i i feel like ryan was able to do that he certainly has the abilities within him to do that so not surprised at all really i i don't think i would have picked him i think i said william byron would win it um i have larson so yeah 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 (laughs) oh for two but um you know blaney um blaney got it done happy for him i think it's good for the sport um you know he does a he's he does a good job and uh has has a personality very different personality but one that seems to resonate with a lot of fans so i think i think it's good i think when he lets people in i think he's got one of the more like charming witty personalities mm-hmm. in the sport i know he used to do a podcast doesn't really do that anymore but you know his his personal personality does come through i think that's a from that perspective growing the sport i was thinking about that with netflix following a lot of drivers around the garage the last 10 or 12 weeks, you know, uh, to have four young, very talented drivers in the championship four who are always, who are all going to be here winning races and contending for another decade plus. I think in many ways that's good. If, if the Netflix show does well and, and new fans are exposed to the, the Ryan Blaney's and Christopher Bell's and Kyle Larson's and William Byron's like, you know, 
with all due respect to Martin Truex Jr., he's going to retire in a year or two at most, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. you get a chance to latch on to these young drivers who are going to be here for a long, long time. So from that perspective, I think it's great. Um, and uh, I think Netflix was following him, too. So that's going to yeah. be interesting to see when that comes out because yeah. they were following the champion. Yeah, it's going to, he's going to get all mm-hmm. access up close and personal with Blaney in yeah. a way we never thought before. Um, mm-hmm. Xfinity Series, Cole Custer wins the championship. Did you see anything from your seat that you can remember? <laughs> it was a crazy <laughs> final recently. No, what's so funny is I think I was talking to Bob uh, Pachris and, uh, and like I, him and I talked and I was like, no way Ben Rhodes is winning the truck championship. No way. <laughs> the Thor Sports terrible. They're not going to do it. Well, then after that night, I said, you know, I think I should just go harden all my other picks and just pick the guy that I would think no way. So I said, you know what? I'm going Cole Custer today. And what do you know? He did it. <laughs> so wow. I don't, I don't know, man. It was, um, I mean, good for Cole. I mean, I, mm. I, you know, I think he's a guy that probably should be in a cup car. I don't, I, you know, I don't know what the move down was maybe to rebuild his confidence back up. I'm not sure, but you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, there I, no one said anything about the 10. I know they keep saying Noah Gragson, but I mean, you know, I mean, Cole Custer's a cup champion and is obvious or a Xfinity champion and yeah. is like literally in the team. I know they already announced it for next year, but it's like, I don't know, man. I think he should probably just be in that car. I don't get, I don't, you know, whatever. I, mean, I guess but, uh, if it's we'll Gregson, it all comes down to money. I guess we, we, you know, we know, well, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, it does. It all has to deal with the money. You're right, Eric. Excuse me for I, wanting to put the Xfinity champion back in a cup car. Your, your heart's in the right place. I, I, you're <laughs> yeah, right. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, yeah, Cole Custer wins the championship. Great race. Made up for the disastrous truck race on Friday night. I don't know how much of that you got to mm-hmm. see. I, I mean, it's been a few weeks you know. now, but the the Hosevar versus Heim, you know, a lot of uh, more veteran drivers in the Cup Series were sort of all over social media and even talking to the media afterwards about how, like, hey, these kids have a lot to learn. You know, that scares me that that could be what the future of the Cup Series looks like did you have a takeaway watching all those back and forths i mean i'm good with the the accidents and the the madness because i think it's entertaining and at the end of the day this sport is for inner it's for entertainment i I get it was too much it crossed i get it was too much no what crossed the line was hosevar just straight up wrecking the only competition for the i mean it literally took the championship away from heim in my opinion just like wrecked him and was like Oh, I'm beating on the stream. And listen, I like Josevar. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything, but that mm. moment was just like so awful. I'm just like, you got to be kid. I mean, it's yeah. just, I let it was out a, so bad. I let it, out like, a big groan for sure. I was, I, I, was I, like, I like Carson oof. as well. And it was, it was unfortunate to see that happen. Let's, you let's can, put it that you, way. You, okay, PC. CEC. That's what I call my <laughs> crew chief this year. Politically correct crew chief. PCCC, your podcast. <laughs> Politically pod- correct podcaster. PCCC. <laughs> well, um, yeah. But yeah, he he just, dude, I mean, you know, you can't do stuff. You just can't well, flat out wreck somebody dude. flat out when you thought. He definitely was like, this is the only competition for the championship. I'm not running trucks again. I'm moving on. This is my only shot. Boom. Do you think it was totally on purpose? It Holy might cow. Totally on purpose. Right. Total, I don't care. Totally on purpose. And he yeah. can be mad at me. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just like that's it was on purpose. And then obviously Heim coming back and doing it again harder. Like, OK, I mean, two wrongs don't make a right, but I sure. definitely get the frustration. And that's it's like, I'm, I'm just taking you out. It's yeah. just like, you know, what Heim did was way worse. I'm like, mm, two clean trucks battling for a championship and one of them just deliberately taking you out. I don't yeah. think what he did back was worse. I just, I, me personally, I don't, I just don't see that even being part of how can you even talk like My that? My problem is like NASCAR doesn't police these incidents. So they asked the drivers to, that's what Heim was doing. You can argue that, oh, it, you know, it's blatant. That's not good. It was at the very end of the race. It affected the championship battle out front. That's mm-hmm. all. I understand not liking that part of it, but at, at its yeah. core, that was just Heim self-policing, which is what drivers have to do nowadays or else they're never going to earn respect. Or yeah. Gonna, and I get people yeah. being mad over it, changing Grant, not winning it and giving yeah. bins and the, the restart and all that. I I get all that. Exactly, I mean, I understand. Yeah. Get mad. You, get, you can get mad about it. But at the end of the day, those two probably never should have been racing for the championship anyways, because the 42 dumped the 11 yeah. <laughs> on yeah. purpose earlier. So like I. It is what it is. Do you think um, we had Carson on the show way back at the beginning of this season? Um, do you think what what do you think cup drivers think of him? Like going into next year, will he be raced differently? Or if, if you were in cup racing against Carson on a weekly basis, like how 
I don't know. How do drivers view someone like that? Are you going to race him harder? Are you going to like stay away from him? Like, what, what do you? I think they, I think they definitely race him harder because they're trying to show him, teach him some stuff, you yeah. know, like, you know, and, and they're not going to take lightly being pushed around. They'll just move him out of the way. Um, you know, and, and that happens a lot in the beginning until they, he earns some guys respect and it takes a little bit of time to earn that respect from those guys. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, you've already heard some of the guys are already a little bit annoyed with him. So yeah, I, I think he'll learn, he'll learn. And, it, and they'll, the, the cup, the, you know, racing the cup series is crazy. They're Everybody in the field is so talented and everybody in the field has won big races at some point in their career, no matter what it is with yeah. late models. Arca, whatever you want to call it, trucks, they've all been in the hunt everywhere and they've sure. done it consistently. So it's just really difficult. So they'll they'll show them, they'll teach them. I do think these young guys moving straight from trucks into cup is like, man, the races are so much longer, totally different style, totally different mentality. Like, I don't know if it's the best move to be moving these truck guys directly into cups. Like, yeah, I get the cars kind of drive closer. The Xfinity car doesn't drive anything like it, but the Xfinity race is still 300 miles. Yeah, you're it's way longer for some of them are even longer than that 350 whatever like um and it's a it's just a different the xfinity field race is entirely different than the trucks i think it's knowledge needed um but we'll see what happens with those guys we'll see <laughs> we'll we'll watch we'll it we'll see yeah we'll be watching we'll and uh we'll have lots to react to i'm sure i'm excited to see carson and cup even if he may not be quite emotionally ready for the cup series. Mm -hmm. The talent is obviously there. So he's going to run up front, at least at times he'll be in the mix and uh, we'll see if he ruffles some feathers. It'll give us something, some good content to talk about. Uh, Brennan, Brennan, we've got fan questions coming up at the end. We'll answer the final fan questions of 2023. But first I think it's time we bring in the one and only Jesse love onto power hour. We are now joined by Jesse Love, uh, ARCA champion. Jesse, it's great to see you. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Raced a midget last night and uh, spending my off season right. So it's a pretty early morning for me. Normally after a midget race, I don't wake up until about noon the next day. But uh, here in California, my family haven't been home to the house where I grew up in in two years. So uh, it was pretty kind of surreal walking around yesterday and and obviously seeing all the stuff that I uh, left behind. But gonna you know take the week that i have off i have like a few days off here and there between uh, the midget week swing and i'll just take that to hang out with my family and see some old friends and do some cool things that's awesome yeah glad you're keeping busy during the off season i felt bad when uh when i asked you to come on the show we were settling on a time i'm like oh he's probably you know everyone lives in north i just assume everyone lives in north carolina so i'm like all right this will be a good 10 a.m 11 a.m and then oh i forgot you out you know you got family on the west coast but we appreciate you being with us here uh, this morning on Power Hour. I mentioned your ARCA championship. Jesse, I kind of just want to start there. We'll ask you plenty of questions about what's to come. You got you made a big announcement recently, but uh, winning the ARCA championship this year in dominant fashion, has that sunk in yet that uh, that this season was, was as incredible as it was? Yeah, you know, it was it was really important to go have a good season. That's something that I needed. It was uh, basically a contract year for me and had about two seasons before that that were rather mediocre um you know obviously always running up front but couldn't really ever win a whole lot and learned you know just kind of this year how to turn those second and thirds into wins and and how to dominate races and do things like that where before i didn't really have that skill set in in the in the playbook so just had a, a really good people around me like billy venturini put a lot of good people around me and Shannon Rush believed in me and so did Billy and um, just had a lot of great people around me. Obviously got out a good plan for me and were able to win a lot of good races. So um, that was the biggest thing was learning how to win and uh, set myself up for obviously, you know, having a lot of confidence going into Xfinity and and obviously the truck races I ran too. Wanted to obviously win Phoenix, but had a, had a decent run there and, and finishing in the top five and um finishing in the top 10 the exception of of a bs penalty at kansas but um but no just had a, a really good season and one that i really needed so now i kind of have the confidence i needed to to go forward and it was just tough like when i moved out to north carolina um you know lost a lot of that confidence i think for for quite a while so it was good to kind of get that back 
Yeah, and maybe Brendan can chime in on this as well, but racing in a contract year, like you said, like does that change your approach at all? Is it difficult to sort of get back, you know, just back to square one, say, hey, I know I can do this, just go business as usual? Or do you put, do you, do you find yourself putting that extra pressure on yourself? Yeah, so in the beginning of the season, I knew that I needed to, to win a lot, but I didn't really have the confidence to talk to myself the right way. Um, and I got to Daytona and we didn't realize until about a month after Daytona, but, um, like we finished ninth there, we had like a spin halfway through the race, had to come back from that, but, um, we were running fourth on the last lap, but we weren't great at Daytona and we didn't realize until a month later that we had a, something broken the motor, like a valve spring or something like that. Um, so I just thought I sucked there. And then we went to Phoenix and we were leading that race and, that was like going to be like a, you know, really good performance for who I was at the time. And, um, you know, Connor Jones, Connor Jones, poor Jack Wood into us and, and wrecked us leading the race. And, uh, that was kind of like the turning point was I got home from that race and I was like, I just probably won't make it as a race car driver. I didn't really think I was, I didn't think I was that bad. I just thought that like, I just couldn't win races and obviously need to win races. And, uh, to have a shot, to have the funding, to have the sponsorship and to get team owners want driver race cars, you got to win. So I just thought there was something about what I was doing that I couldn't win. I thought I was, thought I tried everything. And, uh, I got the Talladega because I thought back about races like Salem where like I, I beat Ty Gibbs straight up. And I thought back to, um, like different super late races where I, you know, won against, you know, Majeski and Bubba and Steve and Nasty and like, midget races where I was able to beat buddy and, and, you know, sprint car races where I go, they'll be, you know, Rico and Kyle, like just stuff like that, where I was like, man, on my best day, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, but man, I can't really duplicate that performance enough for like the last two years is kind of what I was thinking. So I got to Talladega, my mindset was just like, okay, like from, from now on for the rest of the year, I'll see if it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, wasn't going to give up probably, but I needed to do something different. My thought process was that if I could just have my best day every single day and like every single time I get to the racetrack, have that like peak performance and like that number one, um, like performance on the racetrack that maybe I could, you know, duplicate those performances. And if I can duplicate those performances and do the best job that I can possibly do, then I'd probably be able to win, you know, a lot of races. So that's what I you know, thought, and I obviously won Talladega and obviously the first one of the year is always the hardest one to get. And then after that, I just kind of snowballed and every single, you know, race weekend I went into, I just thought about doing the best job that Jesse Love could do. And that turned into, you know, winning a national midget race and it turned into winning, you know, super late races and obviously ARCA races and running good in a truck. So, and I never got caught up in like how many wins we had on the season. Like, obviously we had a lot and I'd always put up the number in victory lane when, you know, Shan Billy would remind me, but um, <laughs> that wasn't like really the focus. The focus was like not winning anymore. I didn't really care about winning as much. And I just kind of cared about like the performance that I put on at the racetrack. And if I was proud of that or not when I left. Yeah. I think it's awesome to listen to you talk. And I'm going to say this again, cause I've spotted for you. You're another driver that I actually got the spot for. I know we just had Eric on, but I spotted for Jesse few years ago now i guess um and it's it's pretty awesome to see how much you grew from then to now right like then i mean you know you're a lot younger mm -hmm. and um you could see the potential and especially talking with billy um and um kevin at the time i think was your crew chief that race that i was there but just like you could really see the potential but like you said it's it's the maturity to that you that you grow into uh, which obviously you've learned on just how can I maximize myself every single day and just do that. And, and um, nine times out of 10, it turns into results, which it obviously has for you um, this, this past year. So it was really awesome to see, you know, it's, it's um, you know, as a race car driver, you know, I talk about it on here all the time, like you're super competitive. It's hard to have other drivers that you want to see do well. But for me, Jesse, you've always been someone that I have wanted to do well. And, you know, I have a lot of roots with Venturini, too, and and Big Bill and Kathy and Billy. Um, of course, I wouldn't have made it without them, um, at least to this to all the stuff I've done in my career. So they they kind of helped me get to where I'm at. So, I'm you know, I'm a little biased because you drove for them. But but also from the time I've been able to spend with you. So it's it's cool to see um, how much you've grown um, and to see how much success you've had. And then now to have this awesome, huge opportunity that so many people 
um, you know, are fighting for that you have for next year to be with a great organization. It's a huge opportunity. So I'm happy for you. And uh, um, I now get to race with you. We've never raced against each other. So next year we'll be on the same the track at the same time. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it. Well, no, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like, obviously, Billy and, and Kathy and everybody at Venturini, like, they've done a ton, obviously, for him and a ton for me. And uh, and obviously, I feel like, you know, Billy, for me, was, like, my true, like, driver developer. And and that was, uh, you know, a, a big proponent into me learning how to win this year and obviously learning how to lose as well. Um, obviously, sometimes people don't always agree with what he does or what he has to say, but it's always just – because he cares and obviously gives a gives a heck and wants people to succeed and and obviously wants to go in races so well, yeah i agree with that 100 uh, percent. i guess i want to take things back a little bit here jesse since you're i guess back home tell us where did you get started racing what age what were some of your first uh first early racing experiences like yeah so my dad raced with with jeff gordon growing up <clears throat> they were you know just two friends that were on the road racing and quarter midgets out here um with like john bickford at the time uh who's jeff's stepdad and and my obviously jeff went off to um dab one racing and uh my dad and said went off to law school so that was kind of like how they split and my dad obviously kind of had racing in the background his whole life just kind of keeping up and obviously but he wasn't in it so um growing up when i was i still remember being a little bit younger like than five years old and knowing what racing was. Um, but I didn't sit in a car until I was about four. My uncle Tony had two daughters that were in quarter major racing and, and I went out there to their shop just to sit in a car. And I remember sitting in the car for the first time and firing up for the first time was like some junior novice car and, uh, went out to the racetrack and, and I won my first race and, um, which probably wasn't too hard. I was racing against five-year-olds, but, um, you know, a win is a win. Or, yeah, win's a win. Did the <laughs> uh did the you know the training and all that stuff. You know, five years old was really young. I don't realize like when I until I see a five-year-old and then I was driving a car, like a moving mm. vehicle by myself at that age. It's they can't even control their bowels. I don't know. <laughs> so it is pretty crazy to think about that. Um but yeah, I started doing open wheel like midgets and sprint cars after that. Uh, I did that for you know two or three years and never did the dirt stuff enough to, um, really be like good enough to, you know, the really good dirt guys like Justin Grant, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, like that's and Tanner Thorson. Like that's what they do. Right. Like that's all they do. And, uh, and it was, you know, I got to race with those guys, you know, in their prime, uh, which is still now and, uh, race with them last night. Like those guys are the best of what they do. So I learned how to how to race open wheel against those guys. And, and that helped me out a lot to where now I can go to the racetrack and contend for wins and, and run well and set track records and, and run up front. So um, that was always really cool. I remember those, you know, memories growing up um, and the California sprint car scene is, is really cool. It's pretty crazy to be in a sprint car at, you know, 13 years old. Um, yeah. But it taught me how to, you know, just kind of, I don't know. It's really weird when you're in a, a really fast car that can, you know, kill you and hurt you. And you're going that fast at that young of an age, it just kind of, you know, toughens you up a little bit. And that's part of the reason I still run dirt is because like all the sketchy stuff I do in a stock car, you don't even think about, like, it doesn't feel sketchy at all. It's like, it's nothing. So when you do it in a midget, a sketchy stuff feels sketchy as hell. Right. Like you're going really fast. You, the thing wants to flip out of the park every lap and a sprint car. You're just, you're going Mach 10 the entire time. So, um, it makes the pavement stuff feel so much easier. And, uh, and yeah, I did junior late models in California, which is basically a pro late model with a control tire, eight inch control tire with grooves in it, all that stuff. Um, and that was a series on Mav TV that Kenny Shepard put on at Madera uh, which was for like 11 to 15 year olds, like really young kids. Um, and the reason he did that was he just wanted to, you know, get the youth movement going. And, uh, Haley Deegan was my teammate for, for a year and a half, a year and a half there. Um, and that's why I got lined up with Toyota was because Haley Deegan was a Toyota driver, um, first before Ford and all that stuff. And she was developing at, at Madeira and I was her teammate. And I didn't know anything about, like, I knew what Toyota was because I love 
you know, Keith Coons Motorsports and that's who, you know, Kyle and, and Christopher and Rico race for. And, uh, she was filling out these like, you know, pre-race reports or her crew chief was so the team owner. So I asked the team owner if he can fill out some for me, um, just cause I wanted to see if Toyota would, you know, talk to me. Cause you can't just go like barge away in Toyota. <laughs> yeah. No, no, nobody knew where to start. So, um, <laughs> they reached out a, a few wins later. I think I won like five of the eight races, you know, when I was like 12 years old, which to them is, is, you know, huge. That's a lot of promise for them. So, and Toyota is really good at like always trying to find the next best thing, right. Yeah. Uh, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's how I got with Toyota Path. And then I started running some more midgets for Keith Coons a little bit and started running super late for Chris Wimmer. That was a, a ton of fun. Um, had a lot of fun with with Chris. And uh, then I obviously got with Bill McNally and ran Arca West. That was when I was like 15 and did two seasons there and won, and won two of those championships. And then then I had two seasons of, of sucking at Billy's. And then I finally had a season of, of winning. <laughs> and then it was, and that's where we're at now. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask a little bit more about that. Uh, we'll talk about your most recent, you know, career move in a moment. But uh, you've been with Toyota about as long as I think you've been on my radar and most other folks' radars. I mean, what was that experience like? You know, being a Toyota development driver, and did you kind of expect to sort of stay in that pipeline? Uh, yeah, how was that experience the last few years? It was tough. It was a very hard decision. Um, you know, so. I moved away from home. Like my family still lives in this house and I live in my own house, which was an apartment for a year and a half in, in Mooresville and across uh, the country. Then. Away, yeah. Yeah. And I moved away from home when I was 15. I didn't have a driver's license yet because I wow. signed a contract with Toyota that said like, if I want to you know, get the support from Toyota and their partners and have access to the sim and the gym and all that good stuff, I, I can't be in California. Um, my dad didn't want me to go to the truck series or the Xfinity series when I was 18 and be moving out of the house at the same time. He wanted, he didn't want that culture shock on top of like probably the big, like next year is like a, a big season for me. The biggest one I, you know, of my career so far. And now imagine if I was moving from California out there when I'm 19, right? Makes sense. Crapshoot. Um, so but that was like the hardest two years of my life. Like I didn't have my dad to talk to every day or my mom or my dog. Um, I didn't have any friends and, um, you know, how to kind of take everything that my dad taught me the last, you know, 15 years and, and try to just, you know, add to that. And, uh, that was super tough. Like I had, you know, vent training motorsports and fuck, it's kind of emotional. Uh, and that's about it. Right. So, um, like those were the only people that I had and, and Toyota was a big part of that. So, that was, that was, you know, the reason that I was super invested in Toyota was because they were all I knew. Like I didn't know anybody else and have anybody else. So they, VMS and Toyota were my, you know, big supporters. Cause you have Caitlin at the gym and we have a nutritionist at the gym and Trent would come in the town with Jack and I don't know. So that was like my Toyota family. So the decision to leave, like I had to go to a place where I thought, cause I know how to race in a family atmosphere because I raced at, you know, Venturing Motorsports for the last three years, and they're 100% just a family atmosphere, family-owned, all that good stuff. And you can fully buy into that team with your with your time and and, and your investment and, and just put 100% of, of what you have to offer into the team, and it, and it always comes back to help you. And uh, I saw that when I went to meet with RCR. And, you know, they we talked in the middle of the year, and I – you know, obviously I was interested because it's RCR, but, um, I wasn't going to pursue it because I already had my, I already had, a, I was really, I was supposed to run, you know, basically, uh, full time in a truck. And then, um, once that opportunity got taken away from me, um, that was kind of a turning point in hmm. me wanting to go somewhere. So, um, we know when RCR talked to me again, after that, we, you know, it moved really quickly and, uh, and I meant to, you know, I went to meet with them. And, uh, and I just love the atmosphere and I love the shop and I love the people and, and I'm a big people person. So I had to, you know, have the right people. And obviously once I heard Danny Stockton was doing it, that was, that was huge as well. So, you know, it's, it's a lot to unpack. Um, but at the end of the day, um, 
you know, there's a cat, there's a path to cup for me where I'm at right now. And I don't know if I, if I saw that where I was before, um, there's just, you know, at RCR, like, you know, I walk past the cup shop on the way to the Xfinity shop. Um, and there's a lot of movement, like obviously. And I just, I don't know, that was just, it just seemed like, you know, with trying to keep my mouth shut as best as possible, like that was the best move for me, you know, at that time. I get you. Yeah. I want to, I want to touch on, you know, a little bit of what you talked about before, because we talked about a lot of stuff right there. Well, you did. Um, but, uh, you know, I moved out to to North Carolina myself. I graduated high school early. I drove here. I was young. I was 17, 18 years old. Um, I drove all the way from Houston to my grandparents' house in Georgia because I was like literally afraid to stop, right? Like, you know, I'm coming by myself. And, and, and the same thing. I went through the same thing. I didn't have friends. I didn't know anybody. I just had the dude I was driving late models for. I slept on his couch till I was old enough to get an apartment in right by Venturini, by the Walmart across from the mall with yeah. a circle apartment, something else now. But, um, you know, those difficult moments. And of course, when you get emotional, it, I know the feeling. I'm very emotional about everything that I've gone through and what I've had to do. Many people close to me know. I'm sure you know some of it, Jesse. But, um, you know, those moments make you better um and they mature you and the maturity that you need in this sport is unlike anything else i think um in the world so the fact that you had to do those things and had to do things on your own and you didn't have anything else they're making you better um so i see that as a as a huge win um you know and and there's going to be more times <laughs> well that's going to be difficult let me tell you um, I mean, I'm 32. I'm going on my 10th year racing in one of the top three series in the sport. So I think, you know, you have fought through some difficulties and come out the other side of it. And you're going to have to continue to do that over and over again. It, it never stops um, to continue to prove that, you know, you can do it. So I think take those um, those moments and those difficult things that you've gone through and continue to use them and know there's going to be more, but keep fighting. I mean, that would be, that would be one thing I would say. So I just wanted to touch on that, but also, you know, I think it's a good move. I think, um, RCR is very family oriented. We've seen it uh, forever, you know? So, um, and, and in this sport, the right moment and the right timing with the right people around you is everything. And that's how you get results. If you don't have it, it doesn't happen. I've been in all sides of it. I've been, with the wrong people at the wrong time in the wrong moments, even though it might've been the right time in my life, it just it didn't work out. Right. And um, I've been fortunate enough to still be driving race cars professionally and still be in the game. You know, I, I think um, uh, it's just been a crazy journey, but it's awesome to see yours just starting um, and getting your, your, your uh, start in the Xfinity series next year. So um, I'm excited to to see that. And um, it's just awesome to hear you talk, man. I know we've talked a little bit over the years, but probably nothing in the, into this detail. So um, mm -hmm. it was really interesting and awesome to hear you talk about everything. Yeah, I know? can't imagine, uh, you know, being 18 years old and having already mm -hmm. made not one, but two major career <laughs> decisions and like career yeah. moves. I mean, that's just, that's absurd to me, but, <clears throat> but kind of echo what Brennan's saying. I, I think right now, uh, it's coming through a lot through the Zoom call. You are ready for this opportunity at RCR. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess one of my final questions is, what are you looking forward to next year? Uh, you'd said it, that this you feel like this is a great, a more clear path towards the Cup Series. Obviously, that's the ultimate goal, but between Danny Stockman and everything RCR is going to bring you guys this year, what are your expectations for 2024? That was one of the things I got away from was was expectations and um, I don't think that way. It's funny because me and Danny were just we're, we're just talking about that the other day. Um, obviously, having Danny in my corner is is huge, and all the people at RCR are so supportive and, and and want me to succeed. And and obviously, you know, having Wheel in there on the, on that side of things is is huge. To where you know, I have a three year deal, right? That's a multi year deal to where I can develop, right? So yeah. it takes the pressure off me having to go out there and, and win races right off the bat and make the playoffs. And if I don't make the playoffs then I want to have one year to do it. And if I don't do it, then I'm screwed. Right. So, um, you know, how the deal is structured is, is, is really, really awesome. And, and, you know, people don't realize how good Danny is like Danny's really awesome. And and that helps a lot. Like having somebody that's done it, been there, done that in your corner uh, that I can lean on and, and rely on. So, you know, 
as far as expectations go, like, again, I just want to do the best job that Jesse Love can do. And I know that's enough to go, you know, win some races in that two car with, with how good that car is. And, and I know that I can do that. And I just, you know, not sure when, where, how, but I just know that if I do the best job that I'm capable of doing and, uh, be the best leader for my team and, and my guys and make smart decisions and obviously finish races. Um, cause that's gonna be really important is like going and finishing races. You can't make a race car fast, you know, fixing it. You gotta be able to work on it and have, you know, not torn up race cars. So, um, you know, I kind of have, you know, my mindset already picked out going in the next year, how I want to go about it. And that's going to have to change on the fly. There's going to be, you know, run-ins or, you know, different tracks that sure. we're going to have to work on or whatever. But um, I just want to do the best job that Jesse Love can do. And if I do that, we should be able to win some races and, um, you know, make the, the playoffs and see how deep we can go. Awesome stuff. I've got one final question, but Brennan, I wanted to, I didn't know if you had any other <laughs> questions prepared. I've gone off my script a little bit here. Um, but my final question uh, for you, Jesse, you mentioned your your dad's relationship with Jeff Gordon growing up, but do you have any drivers that you would consider mentors uh, or any drivers out there that you sort of model your either career or driving style after? Um, you know, growing up, obviously, um, I live in Larson. I lived in Larson land. So Kyle was was my guy. Um you know, you can't really model his driving style. If that was the case, I'd be the best driver in the world. But, uh, but no, Kyle's incredible. And, um, that's something that I look up to, you know, how he handles himself at the racetrack and, uh, is, you know, how I want to start handling myself at the racetrack. And, um, you know, was, you know, obviously big into those guys that can, that can do everything like Tony Stewart, AJ Foy, Jeff Gordon, like the guys that can go and, and run where they want, wherever they want. Um, those guys are, are the best, right? Like not tied into just stock cars, right? But the guys that can image it and then a sprint car and then any car, then a, you know, crown car, then a stock car, like those guys are really special. And, and that's kind of what I'm, you know, trying to build my career out of. So um, I don't really, you know, feel like I drive like, I don't know who I drive like. I don't really thought about that, but there are guys that I look up to and that's the guys that can kind of do anything. It's a good group of drivers right there. Um, yeah. For sure. Awesome stuff. Uh, Jesse, we really appreciate your time bright and early this morning. Uh, I know, I mean, you're still busy. You're still racing, but it is the off season, quote unquote. Um, so we'll let you get back to, you know, catching up on some rest and getting prepared for, uh, like you said earlier, not to put any added pressure on you, perhaps the biggest year of your uh, racing career ahead. Jesse, we'll be watching. We'll be rooting for you next year. Appreciate you being on the show. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jesse. I appreciate you, Thank you. Once again, a huge thank you to Jesse Love for being on the show. Brennan, we're almost done. 2023, uh, the inaugural season of Power Hour is just about in the books. I think it's time we answer just a, a handful more fan questions one final time. What do you say? Let's do it. Awesome stuff. Uh, I picked out a few from our most recent uh, episode that we uploaded to YouTube. Um, this first one, and gosh, I have the print super small. Um, comes from random internet user. I, th I was making sure I was reading that correctly. Comes from random internet <laughs> what a user name. 6923. Uh, they ask a good question though. Out of any driver who never really got a, a fair shot at the top series in NASCAR, which one do you wish did or think really should have? So Brennan, yeah, I'll be honest, when I first read this, my first thought was you. I know you had a, a good opportunity in Xfinity with Chip Ganassi. That's a solid team, but you know they're talking about top level of NASCAR. You know, you you in Cup at least haven't had that shot. And as we've spent much of this episode discussing, you're kind of on your way there. You're joining a team on that trajectory in the Xfinity series. I think you're kind of on that trajectory yourself. But because I think that's cheating, my next thought was a guy who I think is on kind of a similar journey as you right now, similar in age, I believe as well. Uh, but I thought Parker Kligerman. As someone who yeah. I think has overperformed or over, what am I trying to say? Exceeded expectations maybe in that uh, big machine 48 the past couple seasons. Yeah, I think Parker is was the first person I, I who came to my mind um, as someone who is talented and quick and smart, who hasn't really had a great shot at it. Um, but definitely deserves one. He's definitely one of those guys. I mean, there are a few others over the years that just were incredibly talented, but the same didn't have the, the backing or whatever it, it might've been. 
um, to make it work. So I don't know. We're, we're forgetting a lot of guys, but there are a lot of guys even in the back half of the Xfinity field now that are like super fast um, that may not get another, may not get an opportunity. I mean, they're just, yeah. they're just are they're, they're, you know, I think of guys like Stefan Parsons, super quick, unbelievably incredible qualifier, crazy, mm-hmm. but who knows if they'll get the backing to get in a good car and see what they can really, really do. Um, but there, there's them um, throughout the field um, that way. So I don't know. That's a really difficult question because there have been so many good guys. There's so many guys that are like in late models right now that probably have the talent that may not even get a shot to do it. I mean, Josh Berry was close to not even having another shot at Xfinity, you know, when he ran Xfinity before didn't do too hot. Like, you know, you just never know how it's going to shake out, but there's, there are, there's more than we realize. Yeah, no, that's a great, great point. There's, there's more undiscovered talent probably Mm -hmm. in the racing world than there is discovered talent. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. This question, and Brennan, you can choose whether to answer or not. I kind of forgot about this, but Nigel <laughs> left a comment saying, because yeah. in our last episode, I think we were talking about the championship four, and you made just like a little comment about Christopher Bell um, that Nigel wants you yeah. to elaborate on. Nigel asks, <laughs> what did Brennan mean when he said he's not the biggest, Chris- he's not been the biggest Christopher Bell fan in the past? So well, what I meant by that is like, I'm just, I was more on board with Eric Jones. I think Gibbs should have kept Eric Jones. I see. Um, so when they made that move and kicked Eric out, I was like, what are they doing? No, that's not a good, that's not a good idea. He's on the cusp of being the guy you want to be. What are, what are you doing? Um, and Eric, then, you know, he's one in the 43 car for crying out loud. So yeah. I think that was probably, in my opinion, I would not have made that move, but it it's doesn't mean out. I don't think it's worked it's, out. Though, he, hey, Chris, he's done a great job. He's yeah. made it to the final four. He's won races. So that's what I meant. Like in that moment back then, I was like, mm, I don't know about, I don't know this about this Christopher Bell character. <laughs> Who's this? Yeah. Guy? I just, yeah. it's, it's not, not, not even that he's winning a bunch of races. He's fine. Fine. But I mean, you know, I, I just felt like Eric was the more would have been the better choice at that particular time. Um, and so I, you know, I kind of was just like, mm, I didn't like yeah. that decision, but it's not, it's nothing against Christopher Bell. It's just like, I may not have been the best Christopher Bell fan at, because of that at that time. If that makes sense, that's yeah, kind of what I, I get it. I'd have to go back and, when I said that. I need to go <clears> back and dig up what I said back, at, you know, two or three years ago, whenever that was happening. Yeah. Cause I was an Eric Jones fan and mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I could see that Toyota was in a, very difficult spot. They had two very promising talents with very different backgrounds. You know, Jones, Midwest pavement, late models, mm-hmm. Bell, um, where's he from? Oklahoma, dirt racing. Uh, very different, but very talented. It was kind of a win win, but also a no win scenario for, for Gibbs and Toyota. Yeah. At, least that's, at least that's what I'd like to say I said at the time. I was very much a fence sitter. Couldn't tell you what the right move was going to be. It was a tough decision either way, but um, that's interesting. Well, now, Nigel, uh, Brennan has elaborated on his yeah. on why he has something out for Christopher <laughs> Bell, apparently. <laughs> not not anymore. <laughs> not, used I mean, to. I'm like, sorry. Used I, to. But then, yeah, I was like, dude. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then the final question, I probably shouldn't have ended with this one. This is a question specifically for me. Not very, uh, not as open-ended. Um, but Erica sent a comment saying, my question for Eric, if offered, would you ever be an announcer for NASCAR as a career? Mm. Um, you I guess. Would. Yeah, first you I was. It. Come on, Eric. No, 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 I would not. I don't think I would. Certainly not. No, now. why not? I like what I do now. I, mm. I don't, I, I get to do You'd basically be the next what, Mike joy. I get to do whatever I want to do right now. I could hang up on you right now and not post this episode <laughs> if I wanted to. Uh, like, I'm not yeah, I guess. Actually, no, I think circle B diecast. They expect episodes. Maybe there are, 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 oh, see, you can't just do yeah, anything they, you want to do. I Eric. am to our very generous and supportive <laughs> sponsors. I guess that is true. But, uh, but no, I mean, at this point, I'll I, would not, I would not, be I'll in, answer Eric. Okay. Gravel. I'll do it. You, you, I would do it. All right, Eric, you don't have to do it. I'll take your place. That's I'll fine. do it. I'll do that. Here they come out of turn four. They're side by side. Look, I got it. This sounds kind of like a horse racing announcer. Which I that's, guess that's what they we need more of. I see. Don't I you know. remember when you were playing with your little matchbox cars on the carpet? You're making your stop motion with the yep. cotton ball smoke and everything like that. You need and some energy. You, yeah. Yeah, you got to do it. You, gotta, you have to come. We need that. I'm, you know. Fair enough. I, I, don't, I, don't I know. appreciate the, co- the kind words. Sure. 
at some point, absolutely, it would be neat to work for a network or do something, you know, with a huge budget, a huge studio, have like a team of writers and researchers and editors and all this stuff. Because right now I kind of do everything myself. That does get exhausting. But uh, but I love what I do now. And it's uh, I feel like what I get to do now is more directly engaged, not only with you, Brennan, like drivers and people who come on this show, mm-hmm. but I also get to. I feel like more directly communicate with the viewers. We're quite literally answering fan questions. They don't do that yeah. on Fox and NBC right now. They, <laughs> they don't do like a Twitter Tuesday. Let's see what's uh, what is the Twitterverse saying. Let's you know they don't do that. So, um, but I appreciate the comment. I appreciate uh, the question from Erica. Um, Brennan, I think that's going to do it for our final fan question segment of the year. Before we uh, wrap up this <laughs> holiday special, we haven't really talked about the holidays too much. Um, <laughs> Brennan, I had a question for you that we didn't get to in the first half of the show, but uh, but it's been eaten at me. What is the best NASCAR-themed Christmas present you've ever received? Oh my gosh, man! I've gotten a lot of, I've got a lot of NASCAR gifts over the years that I couldn't even. I mean, there's like too many to even name, right? Mm-hmm. But my my good buddy Al Terra, the Terra family. Hey guys, I know you listen and watch the show, but um. They used to give me uh, diecast every every Christmas, and um, they I, I have some sprint cars that are like the dirt version, the dirty version, like a Steve Kins or Levin Quaker State, like with the dirt, like it's dirty. That's probably one of my favorite diecast type deals that I've got because it's like the raced dirty version of a sprint car. Like how cool is that? So I remember getting that. And at the time, I think I was probably still racing like dirt modifieds and late models and stuff. So I was like a little bit of a dirt guy and sort of like following it more and more into the dirt scene than I am now. So I've got a lot of cool sprint cars like that over the years from then, like every Christmas, give me a sprint car. So that was, that was cool. Um, cool. So I've got a huge collection. Maybe I'll bust one of those out for the next, the next episode and show you guys. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, For me, I, so I just remember when I was a kid, I got a, uh, my parents got me one of those like power wheels, those big, you know, plastic mm-hmm. looking like trucks yeah. that you as like a four-year-old sit in and drive around on your, mm-hmm. in your backyard or whatever. And it wasn't NASCAR themed. It was just like a black Chevy Silverado, I think. And, but I remember like <laughs> taking, like printing out or drawing, like de- cutting things out of paper and trying to attach like race car numbers to the side of it to drive around. Cause I thought that was much cooler. Um, so I had that. Uh, that was a Christmas present, although not directly NASCAR related. I've gotten some cool diecasts as well. A few years ago, my dad got me a, a Matt Kenseth championship scheme that was signed by Kenseth and Jack Roush, which I thought was really yeah. cool. That's still that is on really my shelf. Cool. That's one of my uh, probably probably my favorite diecast in my collection. You can't beat that. No, you can't beat that. Great. I mean, we all got those like gifts, right? Did you, yeah. you ever get like a NASCAR like one of the, like NASCAR Heat? NASCAR Thunder 2006 yeah. Total Team Control, like I, for Christmas. I mean, yeah, come on, that absolutely. you can't. That's like one of the best games ever made. There's one year I it's got a, count for my PS2. I got like a steering wheel controller for the for the. Oh yeah, I got two. one of those too. And that turned NASCAR Thunder into a completely different experience. It, yeah. blew, it blew my mind. It was that was you know the, I didn't I didn't know what I Racing or NR 2003. I didn't know what any of that was. I guess I Racing wasn't even around at that point. But uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, all we had was the PlayStation. Yeah, this was my precursor to. What, what, what technology PlayStation in a dream, baby. Yeah, I want to know, did William Byron's career actually start on a PS2 and not, you know, on a computer like Rick Allen has famously said? I don't said? know. Is he a 2000 baby? How he's, old is I William think Byron's Byron? like the is same he age. 98? As, he's 96 or 97. I think he's the same okay. age as me pretty much. Okay. All and right. A, and he's out there racing for championships. I'm I'm not. <laughs> Man, that really, really. Don't you wish you were just, don't you wish though you were born on like a round number, like 2000? Cause then it's like, well, how old are you? I'm like, oh, so I'm 23. Easy to remember you're right. 25. It's super easy to remember. Like yeah. how easy Although, is that? I like being born in 1997 because now I have a chance, not a great chance, but a slim chance of living in three different centuries. If I make it to 103 years old, I could be. 20th, 21st, and 22nd century. I think that's kind of a cool, you know, I, I need to you start eating. I'm going to have to be a lot older than you, buddy. I'm going <laughs> to have to be 110 or something like that. So, I'm 91. So, yeah. you know. Um, well, on that kind of somewhat morbid note, uh, I wonder what NASCAR <laughs> will look like in the year 2100. Um, we'll be racing on Mars, dude. It probably, <laughs> honestly, man. <laughs> Mars track. Imagine We're going to be flying our haulers out and in space <laughs> yeah <I never> rocket <laughs> launching haulers. um that'll be something um brennan this has been an awesome year we've done i think 
10 or 11. I've lost track. This is either the 10th or 11th episode of Power Hour that Mm -hmm. we've done together. Um, We knew each other a little bit before this year. Obviously got to know each other pretty well at Phoenix last season with the whole Phoenix Mm -hmm. sponsorship. But it's been awesome this past year getting to know you a lot better talking off camera as well. Um, this has been fun. I feel like the show we've gotten better. If you go back and listen to week one or, you know, our first two or three episodes, you know, they maybe had their moments, but I think we've gotten a lot better. Uh, I'm excited to see what we're going to do going into next season. I appreciate all the folks who continue to listen and watch. Um, but Brennan, it's been awesome. I've, I've really enjoyed this first year of power hour with you. I hope it's been just as powerful for you. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's been so much fun. And yeah, I think we just have to thank the listeners. Thank you guys. Uh, you guys are the ones that keep the show going. So keep listening, keep hanging out with us. Um, hopefully we're doing a good job of entertaining you, sharing our wild thoughts. Giving some insight. And uh, yeah, on to, on to 2024, man. Yeah. Don't listen to us for insight, though. I just realized, listen to all the predictions we got wrong. We got our both of our championship predictions wrong. You missed on Ben Rhodes. You missed on Cole Custer. Christopher Bell versus Eric Jones. Eric Jones is great, but I think Bell at this point, you know, has done his job. Maybe, maybe our insight isn't actually, um, it's powerful. Oh. If nothing else, it's powerful. We have very powerful opinions. That's we what have people come to us for. Strong opinions. Yes, 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 yes. Um, on that note thank you everyone for listening watching we will see you all in 2024 have a fantastic holiday season a wonderful off season and we'll catch you in the new year thanks for listening folks